Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Finally decided that we're going to do a long weekend retreat because everyone's been asking us and we just wanted to find the perfect place. So we did. Yeah. And I think it's nice because there's something about doing a four night, three day retreat that makes it a little bit more accessible to everyone when a full week away can be tough. Totally. And, you know, we really decided to do it this time on just so many of the themes that feel alive in our work with our clients and what the, you know, the conversations we're having in our group work with clients um, around the shift in what's happening right now in the collective. Yeah. And what's happening for women. And I think it's a really unique moment in history that we're living through. You see it in so many of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, the way we're really challenging these patriarchal structures that we talk about constantly and how much the level of discontent and, mm-hmm. um, knowing that something needs to change within my life, but what does that look like even knowing it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are coming to us in a therapeutic setting and they're telling us that they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed, resentful, disillusioned with their life, disconnected, right? That they're struggling to really identify kind of what is theirs and what is social programming, that they want something different and bigger from their lives, but they're not really sure, like, how, what does that look like and how do I get there, right? Yeah. So we want to create a long weekend where we're going to give you some of the tangible tools that we have incorporated into our own lives that we're working with and the clients that we work with and really what it looks like to start to embody the rise of the feminine principle 
that we know this moment in history is sort of prophesized to be about for all of us, right? Hell yeah. So we're also going to walk away really understanding what it means um, to envision our life with a real authentic sense of clarity, with purpose, with aliveness. We're going to have no apologies here, right? We're going to also break down some of the limiting beliefs and where they come from, right? So we're going to get into the upbringing component. Um, why and where is all of this highly codependent, patriarchal, misogynistic kind of, um, you know, approach to life? Like, why are we carrying this, right? It's really important for us to understand and break that down. Yeah. So we're calling it the return of the sovereign feminine. It's going to be in Malibu, California at the most beautiful estate, January 18th through 21st. And we're just really excited about this one. It feels really close to our hearts. Yeah. So you can click on either of our bio links on Instagram or social, um, or you can go to my website, vanessabena.com uh, backslash retreats, and you can check out all information there. This week's episode is sponsored by Astrology Hub. So I recently booked a reading on Astrologer Connect, and I was so impressed by my astrologer's ability to take super complex ideas and make them easy to digest for someone like me, who is so annoyingly left-brained. I was surprised actually to get deeper insight into some relationship stuff I've been working with and also some career insight for next year. And all of this from a one-hour astrology reading. Yeah, my reading was a little bit too on point. I think I even jokingly asked her if she'd been talking to my therapist, but she definitely brought up some important growing edges that I know I need to step into over the next couple years. Astrology Hub is a one-stop shop for astrology fans around the world to find more connection, purpose, and magic in the stars. Their community was born out of a desire to provide astrology followers of all levels with high-quality, accessible, and practical guidance and teachings. And today, their team of heart-based astrologers reaches hundreds of thousands of people every week through their podcasts, online courses, workshops, forecasts, and one-of-a-kind astrology reading platform, Astrologer Connect. So what makes their reading platform unique is that their astrologers are highly vetted, reputable, and span various specialties. They offer both scheduled and on-demand sessions. They offer a short matchmaking quiz to find the perfect astrologer for you. And we both actually did the quiz, and it was super fun to see who we got matched with. They also offer the capability to search for an astrologer by language and specialty, so career, love, finance, health, and more. And their platform is backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. So if you have questions that you want some astrological guidance on, check out Astrologer Connect at astrologyhub.com backslash astrologerconnect and easily book a reading for the future or connect instantly with your matched astrologer. Plus, from now until December 25th, you can use code THERAPY15 for 15% off an astrology reading. Such a fun holiday gift idea. Gift one to yourself or to your friends. Um, like, I'll get these like, oh, you know, when you like connect the dots on something and this happened when I would be writing the book. And last night, that conversation connected so many dots for me. I was like, oh. So what you guys are coming in on right now <laughs> is the behind the scenes of Danae and I talking about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, hi, guys. Hi. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. So yesterday, my partner, John, did a podcast recording slash Instagram live with a good friend of his. And I, I was not involved in it. I was in sessions. I didn't even know what was going on. I left the house. So they're recording in the garage. I leave the house with my brother to go pick up my kid from school and they're talking about something. They're like, come here, come here, get involved in this. And I'm like, oh God, like, what is this conversation going to be? And so 
the way that it's presented to me is John asks me two questions. Number one, do women experience what John and his friends have dubbed cum clarity? Which I will say that even Jeff was like, ew, can you stop saying that? And Jeff, John's like, I don't know what else to call it. So that was the first question. The second question is like basically asking my thoughts on why so many men experience what they're calling calm clarity. So what he's talking about is um, in all of the conversations he's had with men, and apparently this is a conversation that men have, um, mm -hmm. is this kind of experience that I'm not going to say all men, but some men clearly have where they sleep with a woman. And then after that, all of their feelings go away or all of their feelings change. Even if coming into the sexual experience, they're like really liking each other and, you know, the dates have gone well. And, you know, as Jeff said, like there's emotional connection and then they have sex for the first time. Let me say that the first time. And then it's like, he's just completely not interested in that point. So that was like the, the here, let me drag you into this conversation. So. There was a couple points and, and listen, you guys can go watch or listen to his podcast episode if you want the full, because to be fair, I was only brought in in the last like 20 minutes. I don't know what they were talking about beforehand. Wow, um, yeah. <laughs> I know Danae listened to it all. I was like, <laughs> I'm not involved in this. Um, so I, there was a couple points that I made and then obviously Danae and I were like texting and talking about it. <clears throat> so number one, I kind of pushed back on any idea that there was a biological component to this. I mean, obviously hormones are released, you know, brain chemicals are released after orgasm, all of these things. That's a fact. But I basically kept saying, we're not scientists. I would like to see research that says this is a biological component. I disagree. I think this is, you know, socialized behavior. Um, and basically what I started talking about was um, a couple of things, right? So how men in our society are socialized to see women as objects, Right. And so um, they, you know, and then we started kind of, kind of talking about porn as well, where uh, there's shame that comes up even around porn. This is part of the conversation where after they, quote unquote, release, they feel ashamed. Um, and Jeff was able to actually pinpoint even that specific language. Right. Like, I feel shame. And so I was talking about how it's not in our nature as human beings to look at each other in this way as objects, right? And to use each other in this way. So I do believe deep down there is a layer of shame that's probably unconscious for most men who are reporting this, especially when they're masturbating, right? And they're masturbating to images that are, you know, like we all know what the porn industry looks like, right? They're probably... um somewhat abusive of the women, honestly. They're very objectifying that at a minimum we can all agree on. Um, and so they feel this deep sense of shame after the fact. It's almost like the unconscious for like a brief second is conscious, right? Um, I don't know. I'm rambling. I'm trying to remember what else I wanted to recap for you to kind of jump in on our conversation. Yeah. I mean, so many things. Um, and, you know, I, I was fascinated listening to the conversation because what ends up happening to me so often as a couples therapist is I will be watching um, in heterosexual dynamics, a man and a woman having conversations and I will be listening through the ear of a woman. And what I know is happening that she can't say to him. And you and I have talked about this, a lot of things that women do to protect the male ego. And what I realized is this is another one of those instances where I'm being brought in on conversations that men have or men's perspective that one, I think we as women aren't always aware of that they mm -hmm. hold this perspective, but also that there's a conditioned perspective that I believe men have that is often not based on 
the truth. Meaning what was fascinating about them calling it come clarity, come clarity is both of them were saying, John and his friend Jeff were saying, I mean, I wonder why. Well, whatever, right? Like there's no like deeper layer of like, mm -hmm. but why, you know, because what was fascinating? When I started going there, they, they, but well, John specifically kind of started pushing back and going biology. That's what I noticed. It's like, even when I start to go there, sometimes there's like a pushback against like, well, it's not deeper than that. It's like, no, it's always deeper than that. <laughs> well, I think, I think two things. I agree with John. I do think it's biology, but I think it's different than John thinks it is biologically. Mm. Um, and I think that it's, there's a way that what you're saying, like there's like a discomfort with the deeper layers of the why. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think that is, is because absolutely, I think that you are right, that we have been so socialized to objectify one another, but I don't think that's just men. I think all of us have been conditioned to objectify one another. And you and I have talked about this, what I think is missing from so many of the conversations around couples work and how people thrive or struggle in relationships is a deeper conversation about how patriarchy has impacted all of us. Mm. And I think there are ways that what we're experiencing collectively, and this is such a big conversation, is the ways that patriarchy has conditioned us to disconnect from our souls and live as if we are just these bodies, right? Yep. And that some part of us knows that's not the truth. And, you know, what ended up happening when patriarchy was developed, because patriarchy has been around so long, we sort of hold as if that's always been the same. Yeah, that's just not the case. Yep. There was a point where we were matriarchal cultures and the way that we experienced one another sexually was very different than the way we experience one another now. And so when there were matriarchal cultures, it was a lot more ritualized. What has been distorted in patriarchy is that men are the drivers of sex. That's not mm -hmm. actually the truth. Mm -hmm. It used to be women who were really in the space of ritual and bringing in like men, like they would bring men into their circles, basically walk to around marriages them in a very, <laughs> well, to have sex with them in a very ritualized way. Yep. But like, it was more around like the sacred nature of it. Yes, there's pleasure in sex, but that wasn't like, it was like to connect to the divine within one another. Right. And patriarchy in this attempt to, not even attempt, like the, it's been successful for thousands of years to really sort of um, dominate and control and objectify has made not only like sex, something that is not in the realm of transcendent or spiritual. And it is, it's a very feminine aspect of who we are, but also that we have sex with one another in a very like objectifying, dominating, like conquering, like men are like, what is different from men and women from my perspective is men's sense of worth and self and like affirmation as a man is connected to their ability to um, dominate women Conquer. sexually. Mm -hmm. Whereas for us, a lot of times it's the opposite. Like our you know, based on our number or our promiscuity, like society might judge us. Right? Yeah. We, lo we lose um, points basically. Yeah, but there's a way that like the modern feminist movement really conditioned us from my perspective to do all of these things. Like we can do everything just like men, right? Like we can work just like men. Even when we have children, we can kill <laughs> ourselves. We can be overwhelmed. We can have sex just like men. We can have sex with someone who we have built an emotional connection with. And what was so fascinating about what Jeff said, and I wrote it down because he said it like three times. He said, 
I don't know, I have this mental and spiritual connection with someone and then it leaves Mm -hmm. the minute um, we have sex. And what you said, and I think you're right, and I don't think it's conscious, you said, so men are kind of manipulating her, right? And I don't think they're saying to themselves consciously, oh, I'm going to manipulate this woman. However, I do think men are well aware most women aren't going to like have sex with me most. If I say I have no interest in anything beyond sex with you, I actually sort of see you as like an object for me to use for pleasure that you cool with that. Like, of course not. Like they want to feel a level of emotional safety, even whatever we say to ourselves, that's a little bit like what drives the, um, the pull towards sex with one another, right? As we start to feel attraction, we start to feel that juice happening between us. And so you know, I have like a deeper thought on what the actual biological component and why I think that John is right. But I think what is happening that Jeff is describing the shame that comes afterward is basically I'm gaslighting this woman and I know I'm gaslighting this woman, but society has made it socially acceptable for me to gaslight her and say, like, we weren't anything serious. I don't know why you're acting like it's a big deal that I'm basically done with you. And what we both said and I'm curious to hear what this brings up is I have never once. Oh, so here's where I think men are missing our perspective on it. They were both like, well, because women receive. So they just like get a lot more emotional after sex. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's what's happening at all. It's also just proven wrong. It's not the case. (laughs) It's been disproven even biologically. (laughs) We go in willing to have sex with someone because we feel a connection to them oftentimes, right? Like that has been established. I feel something for you. I'm excited about like what this is, what's happening with us. And then we're emotional because we're animal, emotional animals when they quickly like change the narrative, like nothing going on between us. I'm done with you. There was never a connection. And so that's what the emotion is. It's not like, oh, I'm so connected to you now that we've had sex. It's like, what the fuck? All of a sudden we've had sex and there's nothing between us anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this is actually a lot of, and I'm not, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to like bash John in any way. I mean, he's so open and he's so, he, he is of his, uh, a product of his culture and his, his generation too. Like he's Gen X y'all. Like you and I talk about this, right? We're talking decades, 50, yeah, decades like longer than me. Um, of being indoctrinated into this shit. Right. And so there is a lot of like layers that need to be pulled back and he, you know, he's aware of that, but your beliefs are sometimes just so cemented because of what you've heard that it's hard for you to even see that they're like bullshit until somebody challenges them. Um, there have actually been many times and many conversations where I have just flat out said, that's not true. It's been disproven. I actually would say I've said that about maybe five or six different points that he has made specifically about men or women. And it's, he believes it for a reason. It's told to us as if it's fact, right? Um, and when that conversation ended, Jeff and I continued to talk <clears throat> when I got back. And, you know, he was even saying that. He's like, isn't it fascinating how much of the conversations we have are based in what we think is fact because we've been told that it's fact, even though all of it's bullshit, right? Um, and so there was a few of us that were talking about that. I was like, right, well, here's the thing too. Like, um, you know, previous, like, let's say we're talking way back when, um, probably even before agriculture, probably even, you know, we're talking way, way, way back. Women also weren't just sleeping with one man, right? At the end of the day, we are animals. 
period, hard stop. And what is an animal's sole purpose? To survive and to procreate. That's it. Doesn't matter what animal we're talking about, okay? At the end of it, that's who we are. Women weren't just sleeping with one man because as a species, me just sleeping with one man, that's actually not smart for the reproduction of my species, of the, of the, of the continuing of my species. I actually need to sleep with multiple men and ensure that I get as much seed kind of as possible because I don't know the exact day that I'm ovulating because most of us, even if you're connected to yourself, don't know like the moment, right? And so even when you talk about from an animal perspective, from a biology perspective, this idea of like women are just receivers and like we're just here to receive it from you. It's like, uh-uh. From an animal perspective, actually, women aren't just like sitting around waiting to receive from men. That's not how we're wired as animals. Now, of course, there is the <clears throat> spiritual component to us. And what makes us different than any other animal is our prefrontal cortex, is our ability to have conversations about what is larger than us and connect to spirit and all of these things, right? That is what makes us different. And yet we're still animals. And so it, it, it irritates me when I hear antiquated patriarchal data being used to somehow prove a point when it's like, that's just so fucking wrong. Number one, men's sex drives are not bigger than women's sex drives. Completely false, completely inaccurate. Number two, women don't just sit around waiting to receive and we're just like so emotional. Completely inaccurate in every way. Biologically, from a hormonal perspective, just not true, right? I agree with what you're saying about how <clears throat> we've all been conditioned to um, objectify each other. I will say on that, on that note though, and this is something that I think, I don't think that you and I necessarily like disagree. I don't think it's like a disagreement, but I think that because we're different people and we do feel as different people do differently about some things, um, you know, we have kind of talked about the fact that like, I am a person who has actually some of the best sex I've ever had in my life has been with somebody that I know is not going anywhere. We're not going to be in a monogamous relationship. I'm not looking to date this person. Right. And I don't in any way like shame myself for that. I actually enjoy those experiences for exactly what they are, right? Um, and so this idea when he was like, oh, do, do women have this? And what I said to him was, no, I've always been very clear going into a sexual experience. Is this somebody that I actually see this continuing with? Or is this somebody that I'm going into it knowing it's just going to be fun and sex and that's it? I know that going in. I'm clear about it. I own it. I have zero shame around it. Like, I know what it is, you know? And they're like, well, have you ever let a guy on? I'm like, no. I think we're both on the same page when we go into something knowing it's just going to be sex. I think what you're saying, which is so poignant, is like, I don't think women, and you know, whatever, I'm speaking generally here and I'm, I'm aware of that. Not always. Like, women are not manipulating men into coming in and having sexual relationships with them that are just sex. I think what you're saying is accurate. Men are, whether conscious or not, having to do the manipulating when that's actually what they want. And that's sad. The other component I will say, though, is that when Jeff was talking about that, I'm <clears throat> questioning, struggling with, if he really feels like he has an emotional and spiritual connection with this person going into it, does he really not? And he's just gaslighting her for the sex? Or does he actually, and I think this was the second part of the conversation you and I had, does he actually feel that way? And it's too fucking scary. It's too much to be that vulnerable. And so he has to shut it off after the fact, you know? 
Yeah. Well, a couple of things. And again, like, I don't think, and I, I want to be clear because what I'm saying when I say like, we've really been conditioned to objectify ourselves, objectify one another is not to bring any shame. And I stand by like my stance that like, I see God in everyone in every moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think any person is not sacred to me. And I don't think any collision or encounter with any other person is not sacred. And so I'm not saying like, we shouldn't have sex unless it's going to like end in a marriage. But I think what is missing to me often about like what you're saying, like a conversation, I do think there is something less than holding someone sacred for you to have intercourse with her, with her feeling like there's an emotional connection. And then you doing what Jeff was kind of I agree. and yeah. men do, like I'm out and you were an object and I've gotten the pleasure that I need from you. And like that mm-hmm. to me is holding someone is less than sacred. And mm-hmm. I, I do stand by that, you know? Um, that being said, I think to me that what was fascinating about what Jeff was saying early in the conversation, he was talking about how he was raised by um, a, a single, single mother. Mm-hmm. And John kept like saying things to him like, well, you're like a guy's guy. You're like a manly man, right? And Jeff would be like, really? Like he would sort of like make a face. And he was talking about how mm. when like one of his earliest memories um, of like sports and like what it means to be a man, because John asked him, like, what does it mean to be a man to you? And he was saying, you know, I remember that I grew up around a lot of women, like mm-hmm. my my mom's friends and like their daughters. And I wanted a Barbie dream house. And my mother's reaction was we got to get you in sports. And that's when I started sports. And you go like this, but here's the thing. I just got cheered up. (laughs) Right? That is a deep imprint. Like Bell Hooks talks about most men and women, but most of us learn patriarchal narratives, frankly, from our mothers. From our mothers, yeah. That we have as women internalized patriarchy so deeply that his mother, instead of saying, oh, and listen, all of our mothers were of different generation too. Yeah, and the fear that that she had around how her son was going to be perceived and all of that. Right. Yes. He's going to be bullied, so not whatever. not shame his mom. This is me saying there was a, like, something's wrong with that, like, imprinted mm-hmm. in him in this moment. And what I have found is so much of what patriarchy teaches men is masculinity is something that needs to be performed mm-hmm. versus embodied, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I mean when I say that- And attained. Is, yeah, but it's not like, it's like, yes, you're, like, constantly, like, striving yeah. to prove yeah. how masculine you are versus what collectivist cultures used to do which is like initiate men into manhood and like the experience of knowing myself so deeply that I cannot be rocked Mm -hmm. is what makes me a man, right? I don't outsource that. That's a knowing I have within myself. And I was talking to our friend Jeremiah Latimo about this um, this weekend. And he was saying so much of what our society in terms of our relationships has lost is like, we don't value spiritual solitude. We Mm -hmm. value, like, I outsource my power from other people. I outsource my knowing. We're very codependent. We talk about that at nauseum. But, like, he was talking about how I've shared his episode with so many clients where he talks about two years where he was celibate. And when Mm -hmm. I talk about, like, all of the teachings that I learned from him in what he recorded in that episode, so many people are like, that's crazy. Like, I could never. I would never. Why would Mm -hmm. you ever? Because we don't value anything in terms of like the time that is spent going mm-hmm. inward to my feminine mm-hmm. and really knowing my soul, knowing myself, right? So I'm saying all this to say there's a part of Jeff's feminine that I believe he's conditioned to um, reject. 
And if I don't have an integrated sense of me, like both my masculine and my feminine, feminine energy feels really threatening mm-hmm. for various reasons. The And this is what patriarchy controlled, right? The feminine oracle who is all knowing, who like has this intuitive connection to the divine. I can't bottle it. I can't label it. I can't control it, but I'm going to try. And I think that there's so many ways when a woman feels intimidating, and he sort of said this, like, if you're hanging out with this girl and you're like sitting at dinner with her and you feel like, am I saying the right thing? Mm. What we've normalized is go on and sleep with someone, even though you feel that way. And then like, Gabor Mate talks about like the three steps to a stressor. And this is where I think John was right with the like what he's saying biologically. The three steps are there's an external event, right? And then it activates an unconscious belief. And then I have a physiological response to that. And so what I think is happening is I have sex with this person I've had a connection with. There's a belief that I have that like either I'm supposed to be with kind of woman or I need to show up a certain way as a man or whatever the like fear-based limiting belief is that starts to come to the surface when I feel vulnerable and vulnerable is my feminine and got to shut that down because every part of me has been conditioned to deny that. And then my physiological response is I feel repulsed by her and I recoil. And so mm-hmm. I ghost her. I'm done. That's my yeah. theory. Yeah. I mean, it's all interesting to be able to have men in our lives that we can have these kind of conversations with too. I mean, what's interesting, and I got, you know, I got emotional when, when you were recounting Jeff's story about the Barbie houses, because I didn't get emotional just thinking about like 30,000 foot objective little boy and mother. I got emotional thinking actually about Jeff specifically. And here's why I've had conversations recently. and, And you've heard me talk about this before where I've said, part of what I really miss since I've moved to LA is male friendship right? I would say a good 50 to 75 even percent of my closest friends in New York were men, right? And I cherish those relationships. And I miss that since moving here. And I've said to John, actually, we've had this conversation where I have said, I, I look at Jeff and I look at his friend Buddy as the two men that I would want to have actually a deep friendship with, right? Not to say I don't like any of his other friends. Of course I do. But energetically, those are the two that I'm drawn to the most. And John and I have talked about this and we've kind of broken it down when we look at the people who I'm closest to from New York. And energetically, the two here are very similar. They have a deeper connection to their feminine. There is this way that we are able to like go watch sports, right? And like drink the beer and have those kind of conversations, which I love. And there is a hunger for deeper connection. There is a curiosity for these conversations that connect you to something bigger than yourself. There is um, a, a depth of emotion and and connection to self and curiosity about self, right? Um, that I don't find in every man, right? I just don't. And so unconsciously, energetically, I am pulled to certain men that I want to actually cultivate deep relationship with. And he has always been one of them, right? And I actually remember saying a couple of weeks ago to John, would it be weird for you if I actually reached out and started to cultivate that relationship with him? Cause he's your close friend, you know, because I do miss that, um, having those kind of connections. Um, but yeah, I just, I got teared up because I thought like it, it's, 
speaks to, I think, who he is, you know, as a person like that, that, that specific story was such like a, oh God, I just like picture him being who he is and having that experience and like what that does to you as a little boy. And it just, I don't know, it clicked, I guess for me, it like all made sense. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, you know, I'm just so, I mean, absolutely. I think the men that are showing up as as Jeff was. And I think I can't remember if I said it once we started recording or before, um, but I did experience him as an incredibly curious, emotionally intelligent man. And um, I think that that is obviously something that all men have, but it's like the level of conditioning to mm -hmm. shut that down. And what you were describing, like they started talking about it and it's like, oh, it's just biological. That's just what we do. And it's like, well, okay, but are we curious? Like, is there a curiosity about the deeper layers of why? And I think there's such a way that like, I don't know, um, you and I were talking earlier about like this younger generation of men and like how I was like, I just got back from New York and I was so struck by our friend Jeremiah and like how much he is like just such an embodiment of the integration of masculine and feminine. And there's something that is so much more um, like, accepting of his feminine and like speaking to his feminine and aware of why that is necessary and beautiful within him. And I think you were saying like your brother has a lot of that. And I think there's something like, there's like a disillusionment with patriarchal narratives and like mm -hmm. ways that I have to put myself in a box that I'm feeling is really beautiful. And I think mm -hmm. that's a little bit the evolution of our collective consciousness is that we're coming into the space where it's like, you know, I heard um, Stefanos, Stefanos' wife once say, you know, I realized based on how it was making me feel so many times, like until someone was willing to be emotionally vulnerable with me, they didn't get access to me physically. Like, that's just like my baseline. Now, that's not that it should be everyone's baseline. But even for men, I think there's something in, like, as Jeff was saying, I'm sitting at a table. That's what kind of got me. And I'm wondering, like, am I holding my fork right? Am I doing this right? My heart started to be like, oh that's a little bit like I'm not feeling good about myself in this person's presence. And yet I give them like access to me and then I feel vulnerable and I shut down to her. Right. And my kids, dad and I talk about all the time. Like I think it's so important to teach Cairo that his body is just as sacred as mm -hmm. a woman's and that his sex is just as sacred. Like I don't want it to be like how many conquests can you get? And that's somehow like where your worth lies. But I think there's something in teaching men too, that their bodies and their interactions, and it's not like we have to be committed to have sex. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like across the board, if we look at everything that's happening in the world, so much of it from my perspective is as a result of us really feeling like we are not sacred to one another as human animals, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's all interesting. I mean, <clears throat> There is something about too, like energetically, when I think about the specific men that I kind of had in my mind or on this list of like the men that I'm drawn to for friendship mm -hmm. and not sexual, right? At all. There's not like a sexual connection. It's strictly like a, a desire to be in deep connection with them as friends. Um, and I would actually say like my brother's energy is very similar in that. And even the men who are older, who actually, you know, like I'm thinking of my one friend, Miko, who's John's same age, really. Mm -hmm. Um, there's something about them that feels as though, and I don't know what this is, but like, it's almost like regardless of conditioning, which everyone has had, they've been able to, whether, you know, conscious or not, it's not really the point, 
they've been able to maintain some kind of connection and they haven't completely lost that. Um, and they're protective over it, actually. Like um, when I, I, I can, every single person that I'm thinking of, every single one of these men, they're all guys, guys in the term again, like we all love sports and like we can have those conversations. And like, you know, one of my friends plays hockey and, you know, it's like very like manly man. And yet every one of them is so protective of their inner feminine without actually even naming it that or having that kind of language. There's an energetic protection um, and lack of shame actually around that. And there's something about that that, you know, again, we're not talking conscious here, but somebody who shows up that just energetically feels more integrated, that feels safer to me, that feels like somebody I want to give my heart and soul to, which is what a friendship is, right? Like it, whether you're a man or a woman, we're not talking a sexual relationship, but like a truly intimate friendship is also an act of giving your soul and your energy to somebody, you know, and, and committing to them and, and putting energy into something and seeing them and them seeing you and being vulnerable. And maybe there's conflict and rupture and repair and all these things. Right. And so there's a safety, I think that, that integration, um, I suppose feels like, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's, I love that. And I think it's that thing of like, I know myself well enough that I am not like diminished by like not being perfect and that like I get to show up as myself and love myself. And I think there's a safety in feeling like someone knows themselves well. Mm -hmm. And I think I was thinking about like how much like the Stoics used to speak to like, that is the point of life. You know, Mm. like now it's like, does it need to be that serious? Like, it's not about being serious. I think some of the most joyful people I have known have been through the most adversity and have come out on the other side, really aware of who they are Mm -hmm. and what they're capable of. And then like, they have just like a different reverence for life. Whereas a lot of times what I find is, and this is the other thing that I think is so fascinating about patriarchy is it's really taught us that like, we shouldn't be uncomfortable and on so many levels, right? Like we should have Amazon immediately. We should just like people please. And like all of these different ways that we like should just maintain comfort at all costs. Mm -hmm. Where a lot of times learning to lean in the discomfort is I'm going to say the vulnerable thing. Like I have really loved getting to know you. And after we had sex, I had this feeling of I just don't know that I feel the same anymore. But Mm. men in this case don't do that because they are afraid. And this is the big thing that that woman will say something that will demolish them. And men are defending against shame constantly as women are shaming against abandonment constantly. It's like primal, right? And so they're afraid as we all like you and I have talked about this and I've talked to so many women about this. I don't know a woman in a relationship with a man who doesn't know the precise thing that she could say to that man to destroy him. Mm -hmm. And the other part two of that is a man who knows himself well, like the type of man you're describing will not be pulled off guard by that because Mm -hmm. he already knows it about himself. He's already Mm -hmm. acknowledged it and integrated that awareness. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, um, I had a thought, but it just left me. I, uh, (laughs) I'm like, what was that interesting thought that I just had when you were talking? <laughs> Flooring <laughs> a man by telling him the thing about himself. Well, that I know. Well, that made me see. that made me kind of giggle. And I think that's what made the other interesting thought just wipe from my mind. Mm. <clears throat> you know, this idea that we we talk about a lot, which is like that women are are so trained to to 
Um, there's a video actually going around right now, specifically Meryl Streep. They're like, she's on a panel. Mm-hmm. Did you see this one where she talks about like wi- women are, you know, um, fluent in man and yeah. like how we speak man, but it's not the other way around. Right. That's right. And that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like we are raised um, in a way to speak fluently, man, and for better, for worse, for manipulation, for whatever it is. Um, it's not the same. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. So after um, after our conversation yesterday and you know the cameras are off and we're all just hanging out and they're doing the ice bath and I'll, I'll say this, I know that Jeff won't care. Um, him and I were talking and he said, you know, it's been really interesting because what I've been trying to do since going into therapy, because he's been in therapy on and off for the last, I don't know, probably four years, five years, mm-hmm. he said is I've really made it a point to when I hook up with somebody or even like go on a couple of dates with them and then I'm not feeling it to call them. He's like, and I don't text them. I call them and I explain to them, you know, just not feeling it or like, you know, I think you're great, but X, Y, and Z. And he goes, and what I've noticed is before when I would just ghost, he said, I might show up at, like at a party or, or something, right? And let's say that that girl is there and her and all of her friends are like, you know, giving me dirty looks and like shit talking about me under their breath and I can like feel it and I know like I'm the bad guy. And he said, and what's different now that I've been doing that and being uncomfortable and being vulnerable is I'll show up at that party and that girl that I've had that conversation with will be there and they'll be having this conversation about like, oh yeah, I, I dated this guy once but he's actually a really amazing dude. You should date him. He's like, and I've actually had a few of them hook me up with their friends, potentially as somebody that we would, you know, we'd really get along because now they see me as like this respectful person. He's like, and the only difference is I ghosted versus not. And I'm like, isn't that fascinating? (laughs) Just that one thing shows a difference in character, right? And And trustability, right? And what you call character is what I mean when I'm saying treating one another objectification. Like, yeah, I'm not saying we all need to like commit to one another for a lifetime. I'm saying treat another person as if they're a human that yeah. matters and has totally. feelings and a soul. Like when you do that thing, it's not about like, oh, like yeah. she can't handle it. It's about I meant so little as another human being to you that I wasn't even worthy of a conversation. Yeah. You used me and then threw me away like a piece of trash. And that's what hurts people. And it's yeah. so unnecessary because ultimately the shame that I'm defending against feeling in that moment, I end up feeling on the other end because I'm yep. carrying the shame of like I did this being the shitty thing. Person. Yeah. Or being the yeah. shitty person. Yeah. It's like do the hard thing now or like carry it for however long, but I love that. And I think, yeah, like I definitely kudos to Jeff and I love that they had that conversation. Um, and I'm really grateful for men who will have conversations mm-hmm. like that because I think it, it gives us an ability to understand one another on levels that we haven't been conditioned to try to do, frankly. Yep. It's just like, we're missing each other and it's like, we don't process things the same way. And I'm like, that's not actually what's happening as I'm listening to them. I'm like, we're not like emotional because we're receiving your penis. It's guys like, sorry. I hate to sorry, burst your guys. bubble. Hate to burst your bubble. <laughs> I mean, it's not I that big of a deal. In love with your penis, but. <laughs> We've received a few probably before yours. So like, get it's over really it. really not that deep. <laughs> Literally. We're such assholes. <laughs> Uh, oh, we're so going there. This is what they're afraid of. This is why they uh-huh. don't have the uh-huh. conversation with uh-huh. us. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And this wow. is the nice version. <laughs> we can be meaner, but we don't. We choose not but to we be. We won't, gentlemen. We love you. Uh, well, 
thanks for getting on and chatting through this because yesterday we were yeah. firing off Texting the text messages Frances and we were like, like we, we should just record. talk about it. <laughs> I know. I love when we feel like we figured out something. It's so exciting to me. Uh, well, I will see you in a couple hours because you're coming here later. And yeah, I'll be over in a little bit. <laughs> for anyone listening, <laughs> I guess we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.